Hello, and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman. You are listening to me on WBCA LP 102.9 FM, Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. And on Bostonian Rap, we have so much to talk about, as usual. Uh, I'm... I would say... <laughs> how how best to describe my mood um i'm just i'm disgusted i'm fed up it's just people i feel like i always say the same thing but people people need to get out and vote people need to get out and vote we have such horrible horrible representation in boston <laughs> We really, truly do. And when you go around to different communities, like I do, different municipalities, and you sit in on, you know, meetings of different kinds, uh, including, of course, uh, you know, city council or town council meetings, you see, you see the difference you see the difference uh in the quality of rep- uh, representation you see how little <laughs> some boston boston city councilors actually know and it's just i i've just i've had it and i guess i have um <laughs> A represent uh, representation. Listen to me. A reputation. There we go, uh, for being candid. Uh, but I, I'm going to give people a heads up. They really haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> On that note, let's go to a quick disclaimer, and then we're going to come back and we're going to unpack the topics of tonight's show. The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman. You are listening to me on WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston. So as I said, uh, there is a lot that I want to kind of unpack tonight. I want to start by talking about the electeds of color holiday party. So, of course, people are still complaining about that. They're still ranting about that. They're still angry about that. And I just, I don't get it. I don't because last year, no one said a peep. No one said a peep. And they surely knew about it. That is, uh, all the members of the uh, the Boston City Council and longtime 
residents, if I can, if I can use that that lexicon, longtime residents of Boston City Hall. This is a holiday party that's been going on for a decade. A decade. No one said a peep when it transpired under Martin Walsh. And I don't want people to come away from this program saying I've got beef with Marty Walsh because I don't. Marty Walsh and I are good. It's, but it's just the fact that if you're going to complain about it transpiring, happening right now under Wu, then you should have complained when it happened under Marty. And if you didn't know that it happened under Marty, then you can say, well, you know what? I, I don't agree that it's happening under the Wu administration, and I don't think it was good that it happened under the Walsh administration. No, we're not getting any of that even-handedness. We're not getting any of that fairness. It's This is just being used as a cudgel to bash Wu over the head, and I'm just, I'm not here for it. And it's so funny because I find myself in a curious position in that I am defending Michelle. And for years, I've been a critic of hers. And, and you know, we've, we've always had, believe it or not, a relationship, if, you know, for lack of a better word, because I, w- I wouldn't pretend that we're friends, but that doesn't mean that I dislike her as a person, but it's just we don't know each other that well. But, but we do certainly know one another. And over the years, it's been, what, 10, 11 years, we've greeted each other. We've had conversations uh, at different points. But I think the difference with my criticism well, for one, there's no racial animus. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, you know, my criticism isn't rested upon racial animus. Um, I would also say that, I would also say that I put my name on what I do. What I do and what I say, I put my name on it. And I think that's very important. And the fact that a lot of people want to rant, they want to insult, they want to decry, they want to denounce, and they do it anonymously. I just, I, I, I find that pretty disgusting. If you have something to say, and, and I've stressed this before on my show, put your name on it. What exactly is the problem? If it's so important that you need to voice it, if it's a thought or a feeling that is so important that you need to articulate it, then put your name on it. What exactly, what precisely is the problem? And, you know, another thing that kind of gets my goat is is hypocrisy. And that kind of goes hand in hand with, uh, the, you know, this whole anonymity thing. Because you have people who will say, sometimes, just speaking generally now, some of the most vilest things that you'd ever want to hear, and then to your face, they're smiling. I don't get that, and I certainly don't appreciate that, and I certainly, in no way, shape, or form, am I going to suffer that. Because, you know, if, if we're talking about 
a situation where someone is not happy with me um, or someone else, then again, you need to say that. Don't hide um, behind a, a fake account, a fake name. Don't blame somebody else. Just say, this is the problem I have. And this is why. I mean, is it really that difficult? The, the hypocrisy is just incredible. And, of course, the hypocrisy is not only as an extension of people who want to throw stones, but, you know, without their identity being revealed, but it's also you have hypocrisy and that, as I said, people want to really castigate Michelle Wu for this party, but people didn't say anything or haven't said anything about the fact that it went on under Marty. And what's interesting is last year, people didn't say anything. Now, of course, I suppose the only difference is, as far as we know, as far as we know, the only difference is, is that this particular year it was accidentally sent out to people who weren't meant to be on the uh, on the inv- uh, the invited list. But for all we know, it could have happened before. It's just people had the grace enough. They had a sufficient amount of decorum. They had a sufficient amount of breeding. They had a sufficient amount of class not to leak it to the press. People are now saying things about Michelle because at the 54th annual Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial Breakfast that took place on Monday, she went after some of her critics my goodness gracious, people better be lucky that I wasn't on stage because I would have said something a lot worse than what Michelle what Michelle said. You know, because she did bring it up, and I thought it was appropriate. I thought it was appropriate given the figure whom we were there to celebrate, the figure whose legacy we were there to contemplate, and to, again, celebrate. I thought it was completely appropriate. And, you know, she needs to stand up for herself. She's under no obligation to be the the punching bag, uh, the, the figurative punching bag of these nasty, filthy bullies. Um, you know, this is—I I, want to read some of, of what she said— you know, because I'm really, if I sound incensed, it's because I am, because I'm tired. I said that at the top of the show, disgusted and fed up. It, you know, that that set the tone. That should have set the tone for tonight's show. If anyone wondered what kind of show it was going to be tonight, that should have been like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's going to be no holds barred. Got it. So at, the, at this At this memorial breakfast, and I I was in attendance, Michelle said, I am tired of those fear mongers. And, you know, she was, these remarks followed 
uh, her reference to, you know, the party in question. I am tired of those fear mongers and mom baiters who fan the flames and call for unity. And I thought that that was great. Then she went on to say, viral outrage ricocheted internationally as those who had never before cared about representation railed against this as exclusionary. I thought it was brilliant. I really did. And like I said, I find myself in the curious position (laughs) where I'm defending Michelle. Look, I have plenty of problems with Michelle Wu's policies. There are many, many things with which I disagree. What I don't appreciate, as I said, the hypocrisy, certainly not the racial animus, first and foremost, because I do think some of this is driven by racism. I really, truly do. And sexism, too, because I think that if Michelle were a man, even as an Asian, I think she would be subjected to less hostility and less abuse. But, you know, certainly, you know, you have the racism that turns my stomach. You have the hypocrisy. You have the bullying. But she hit the nail on the head. Do I agree with Michelle for continuing this tradition at a time when we are so unbelievably polarized. And even if we weren't, still, I just, I don't think it's a good idea. No, I don't agree with her uh, continuing this tradition. But I'm not going to co-sign the brouhaha that has developed around this event. As I said, for all we know, this, you know, this accidentally sending this out to people who weren't meant to be on the uh, invited list, this could have happened before. I mean, again, a lot of the counselors already knew about this. They already knew about this. You mean you were offended about something that you knew about, that you never said anything about, that you never even gave the slightest, smallest indication that you were offended over? Come on. Really? Leaking it to the press was politically motivated. In 2025, there's going to be a mayoral race. So the idea is to paint Michelle as a racist. Do I think that Michelle has an agenda that favors certain people? Yes, but it's not just down to race. It's also, it's it's also it's it's down to ideology. It's it you know it's it's very much uh, an ideological driven agenda, and I don't agree with that. I don't think it's right. But these people who are salivating, who salivate over Michelle's every misstep, I mean, they're making it actually harder for just decent people who are not happy with the way things are going, who are not happy with the way things move, how, how, how Boston's currently operating or not operating. They're making it harder for the rest of us to make a criticism in good faith. 
because you hear all these these rumors, you hear all these nasty remarks, you hear all these horrible things being said, and it's like, okay, hi, my name is Rachel. I have a criticism about this particular pol- policy of Mayor Wu, Michelle's policy in this area, and I would just like to say why. But there's no room for us. There's no room at all. And the thing is, there are real problems. There are real problems about our stores. I'm tired of going into our stores and finding empty shelves. You know, at one point, it might have been attributable to uh, there was a shortage of drivers, truck drivers. That's what I was hearing. There was a shortage of people working in warehouses. So... You know, the, 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 the end result was that uh, products were, were getting to stores uh, not as frequently or maybe not in quantities as, as great. But what we're experiencing now, this is down to theft more than anything else. People are stealing it's, it's unreal. I went into one Walgreens and not a Walgreens that is, is supposed to be closing. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it did close. And I'm desperately hoping that that doesn't happen. But I'm afraid that it will. I went into this Walgreens. I'm not going to give the location. I'm going to let the city councilors do the damn jobs. I went into one Walgreens, the shelves were empty. Every single aisle, virtually all the shelves were empty. And anyone who knows me personally knows I'm not giving a hyperbole. If I tell you the shelves were empty, I mean the shelves were empty. We can't have this. We're going to have, at one point, we're going to have deserts where people live in certain neighborhoods and they don't have access to certain things. They won't have the ability to go to a nearby store and get something. And if we're talking about someone who might be limited uh, in terms of mobility or... Maybe financially, you know, maybe getting into a car might, you know, gas or even putting the car on the road because of, you know, insurance. That might be an obstacle. Or, or taking, taking public transportation, that might not be an option either. If, if, if you don't have much, you don't have much. And it could be at a certain time of the month where you have to pay a lot of bills or it could be uh, right before pay period uh, where you're feeling, uh, you're feeling the pinch, or it, it could be, unfortunately, something that's more um, ongoing where you just don't have it and you have to budget carefully for taking the bus or taking the train. Every neighborhood should have stores where they can go and buy things. And I'm not talking about these little, you know, these little stores. Like, these chain stores serve uh, an important purpose. They, they, they fulfill a lot of needs in the various communities in which they are found. 
And it's crazy to me that (laughs) you have all these people on the political left and they want to talk to you as if we're living like somewhere like 80 years in the past, right? And they're in an activity and they're feckless. <laughs> there we go. Their, their incompetence, their, their indifference, like all of this. Again, we have the some of the worst elected officials you'd ever want to run across. People not doing their jobs. And what that's creating and following these horrible, toxic, wrong-headed agendas and what that is creating are serious issues where we are actually starting to see these great, great, great disparities. And if there were already existent disparities, they're burgeoning. And it's so frustrating. And it's so maddening. And it's so infuriating. And so there's certainly room to criticize Michelle. And people don't have to criticize her the way I do. And people don't have to take issue with Michelle everywhere I take issue with Michelle. I'm just talking about basic decency and not being a fake and not being a phony and not being a hypocrite. These people railing, they don't care about representation. Equal representation? Since when? Some of these people that I'm thinking of here in the Boston political scene? Are you kidding me? Some of them would, if they saw someone freezing to death, they would step over the person. They would maybe even curse the person because the person was in his or her way. Come on. Equality? Fairness, representation. Some of these people who are crying the loudest, Michelle is right. I mean, she's thinking in terms of, you know, diversity and different, you know, different colors, different races, different uh, ethnicities, having a sufficient amount of females, you know, an equal amount of females, parity between the two sexes. And while I'm thinking about that, too, you know, I'm also thinking, you know, well, yeah, I mean, we want to make sure, even though historically in in, in this part of the world, white people have had certain advantages, I still want to make sure that white people are are well represented. I want to make sure everyone's well represented. That's the point for me. And if there's an environment where people are benefiting but white people aren't allowed or they're they're being discriminated against of course I would speak out of course because I don't want to see anyone not benefit I want to see everyone benefit I'm of course just cognizant of the fact that 
you know, there are unfortunately, sadly, there are some people who encounter discrimination more regularly than others. That That is the sad, unfortunate truth. But ultimately, I don't want to see anyone, anyone discriminated against. But, you know, these people, like Michelle said, who are going on and on, banging on about representation and equality, and this isn't what Martin Luther King uh, Jr. would have wanted. What do they care what he would have wanted? They don't care. How diverse is their inner circle? Actually, forget about race, ethnicity. Forget about socioeconomic status. What about intellectually and politically? How diverse, how diverse is the inner, uh, are the inner circles of these different people that I have in mind on the Boston political scene? I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. It's ludicrous. It really, truly is. You know, she talked about well, these people call for unity. You got to love people like Erin Murphy. You know, she uses the hashtag, coming together. Coming together to do what? And who exactly is coming together? It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. And, she, you know, she's certainly been one of the people that has been complaining about this party. You knew about this party last year. Why did you not complain about it last year? Oh, I'm sorry. The difference between last year and this year is that it's closer this year, closer to the mayoral race. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I just, I didn't think of it. Big, big difference. (laughs) Coming together. And then you hear all these other people, you know, some of them, um, you know, you know, they're public figures, you know, they're in different sectors. And, and, you know, it's the same message, you know, coming together, unity. Well, your rhetoric toward Michelle and anyone who disagrees with your way of articulating your displeasure about Michelle hardly suggests that you're about people coming together, holding hands, You know, this certainly isn't, you know, well, why don't I, I was going to say something. Let me hit the, let me hit the pause button. Let me rephrase things differently. No one's suggesting that it be Little House on the Prairie minus Nellie. I'm dating myself, I know. (laughs) Referencing Little House on the Prairie and and talking about the characters. Um, But, you know, no one's suggesting that we be, you know, a little house on the prairie that we all, like, join hands and, you know, wear love beads and love will conquer all and love is all you need. No one's saying that. That's not Boston's way anyway. We go at it. We have opinions. We're not afraid to express them. At least it used to be like that. Uh, I'm a throwback in, in more ways than one. Um, but it's, it's you know, it's certainly, this is who we are. I mean, I mean, <laughs> uh, 
historically anyway, we we speak up and we speak out. But all of this, this this is ridiculous. It's it's not. I mean, we speak up and we speak out because we have something to say. Because we feel something. We have convictions. We have we're passionate. You know, maybe in other instances. All of what I just said, it applies, but in addition, we want to make change for the better. But all of this, this is all self-serving noise. We're going to keep on talking about this party? How long are we going to call, how, how long are we going to talk about a party that's been going on for a decade? You don't like the idea, then why don't you suggest something that could be or that could transpire, that could take place in its place. Why don't you do that? Or why don't, you know, and I'm addressing this at people who have a problem with the party. Approach some of the people who were in attendance at this party and hear what they have to say about their experiences in, 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 the, in the workforce. Why don't you try talking to them and see how they feel? Like, what does that party do for them? You know, no one wants to talk about Ricardo Arroyo. When I say no one, I mean, you know, um, there, there's, a, you know there's like an active segment online that doesn't want to talk about him. And, you know, maybe some people offline as well. But he's not wrong. He wasn't wrong when he said that. This party, it's, you know, it fosters a sense of camaraderie. And I get that. Because for all our talk about race, and for all our efforts, air quotes, of making things colorblind, we're really not. And I think America had made great strides. I really do. But I think we've, especially of late, we've made, you know, more than a few steps backwards. It's, it's quite alarming, actually. But on, on the whole and in general, no, we're not a colorblind society. And I don't know if we necessarily need to be, but I think what we do need to be is a society where we see that person's black, we see that person's white, we see that person's brown, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we just were evolved enough not to attach preconceived notions to those people based on race. But I, I thought what Michelle said was brilliant because she was calling people out. She's a human being. Of course, she's going to get angry with people if they, you know, all these people throwing stones. And, and the irony is that some of the loudest voices, again, let's talk about, let, let's just, let's talk about some of these people. Woo! You know, they, they, they have these fake, fake online accounts. You can't say anything or they'll block you. Oh, Michelle, she blocked me. Oh, um, okay, but 
some of the same people who are complaining about that, they block people. They block people, too. And some of them are elected officials, too. In short, I don't want to (laughs) always find myself in the position where I'm defending Michelle. It's not, again, that I have anything against Michelle, but I just want to be able to have space that I can disagree with her. But what she said at that that breakfast, I I I just, you know, what's being picked out, I don't have a problem with it. I don't. And I am a conservative Republican. I support Trump. I don't have a problem with it. Because I think wherever you fall in the political spectrum, again, there's got to be a sense of decency. And there's also has to be a sense of uh, decorum. There's got to be class. There's, (laughs) oh my goodness gracious, Um, you know, there's got to be some kind of idea or notion about civility. I mean, again, if if they're if they're really strong feelings about this party, then offer an alternative. Or put those feelings in an email and, and send it off. Or put it in a letter. Or write a letter to the newspaper. I mean, there, there are things that people can do to express themselves in a way that doesn't make them look like knuckle-draggers. Or people that are, you know, acting out of political expediency. They're politically, you know, their actions and their rhetoric is politically motivated. Or people who just don't like Michelle because of her ethnic background and her gender. I mean, I'm, I'm tired of these people. Because, because again, I, I, you know, I, I will, I will say this on a last note, and I'll move on to another subject. I do think that Michelle. I don't want to defend her against from all criticism because I think she does deserve criticism, but I think certainly that there, there is some criticism, a fair amount of criticism that's lobbed in her direction because not only is she a minority. Um, you know, a woman of uh, a person of color, but she's a woman of color, and I, I think that I think she she did what she needed to do. She she's like I said, she's under no obligation to be the figurative, metaphorical uh, punching bag for people who don't want to be better, do better, or do better. Period. And and I'll say that <clears throat> what's interesting to me, because again, I was in attendance at at this this event. What Michelle said, if you wanted to talk about a controversial or problematic, uh, you know, speech 
or rhetoric. Um, I, I think that there are other people that are another person that could have been, you know, could have been um, mentioned. You know, certainly you had, um, what is it, Khalil Gibran Muhammad? I, I just, what he said, like, it just, it blew my mind. It blew my mind. And I just, I had so many problems with what he said. And no one has said a peep about that because everyone's focusing on Michelle. Everyone's focusing on Michelle. And what he said, he was very, very, very political in his speech. Um, you know, Khalil, and, and the thing is, is I've spoken with Khalil. I spoke with him briefly at one point, once or twice. This is, you know, going back years. And he actually came across as a very likable, affable person, but he was very political. Um, I found him hostile. <laughs> Uh, toward uh, the political right. I did not appreciate his comments about um, Israel. He made a comment uh, to the effect that, well, if you criticize Israel, doesn't mean you're anti-Semitic. Well, of course it doesn't, but did that really need to be said at this event? Of course it didn't. And even people who already say, well, is that remark really that, was it really that bad that he made that remark at that event? Well, that remark with all the other ones that he made where he was, again, it was a very, very politically charged speech. It's very obvious where he is on the political spectrum. And, and that's his right. But this idea that people on the political right that if if you if the, if there is a boogeyman to be found, he or she's going to be on the political right. So I, I very much resented that, and he also spoke about the left in, in, in an effort and an attempt to uh, to not even whitewash but to recalibrate the narrative of the truth <laughs> that's emerged, and that is anyone can be a bigot, anyone can be racist, anyone can be anti-Semitic, anyone can be sexist, anyone can be homophobic, and so on and so forth, xenophobic. It's bigotry does not have a home on the political spectrum. Anyone, like, like, you could be from anywhere on the political spectrum. Uh, you could you could reside anywhere, so to speak, and 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 be hateful. And so he was there, standing before us all, talking about how the hatred against Jewish people, the incredibly disturbing, incredibly alarming surge in anti-Semitism. Well, oh, oh, what? So we're supposed to believe it's coming from college students, woke college students? Because what became evident to me in listening to him is that he has an agenda. And that agenda 
involves keeping alive certain narratives. And it's a shame because I do think he's a well-spoken person. Uh, I, you know, I'll reiterate that I found him affable. So for him, especially as an academic, to favor agendas, ideological driven agendas and narratives that flow from that agenda over objective truths, that, that's incredibly sad. That's incredibly sad. But no one's been talking about him and what he had to say. No, it's, it's all about Michelle. But you know why? Because people want to be mad at Michelle. They do. And I'll say this on a really quick last note. We're going to go to a, like, a blink-and-you-miss-it break. <laughs> we'll come back and we'll finish out tonight's show. But, you know, there are a lot of people who want to talk about Boston, and they don't even reside here, or they don't have roots here. And it's like, well, if you want to talk about Boston, then, you know, do something then. Do something. You know, it's just all these people who want the attention, they want the clout, they want the shares, they want the reposts, they want the likes online. And it's just like, oh my goodness, really? What business do you have in Boston? I was at a town council meeting uh, last night. I was in Winthrop. And... I, you know, I had something to say, and of, and of course it was relevant to Winthrop, otherwise I would have just kept my mouth shut. And I actually had to be, and I actually like this idea, I it, it actually, I had to be approved in order, it, it, it had, there had to be a motion to allow me to speak and it had to be, you know, seconded, you know, you know is there a motion? Yep, yep. Can I get a second? Yep. And I, I actually appreciated that because I think it sends a strong message that we are here in Winthrop. And if you want to talk about Winthrop, you, there's, you, you've got to have something to say. You know, so it's like I kind of started off what I said, and I was very— uh, <laughs> self-deprecating. I was like, ooh, <laughs> you know, like, ooh. You know, I had like the little gestures like, ooh, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm not, and not only am I not even someone who's only been here for, uh, uh, no, because there were jokes. Someone was like, well, I'm a newbie. I've only been here for 35 years. Um, so I started to say something, again, let me hit that pause button. So how can I phrase it? Um, so not only could I not, there we go, not only could I not even say, well, I'm a newbie, I've only been here for 30 years, but like I've never lived in Winthrop. I don't, you know, I don't have roots. It's, it's, it's this remarkable city styled as a town. <laughs> they don't want to be, they don't want to be a city. God bless them. I love it. Um, but I don't have roots there, but I, I love it. I love it there. It's it's awesome. It's wonderful. And I, you know, I kind of approached 
you know, I prefaced what I was to, what I was about to say with that kind of attitude because I was trying to like say, look, <laughs> I thank you for letting me speak. You go to Boston, you come to Boston, people show up. They'll be like from wherever, USA, and they'll be like, and so, so on and so forth, and blase, 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 and this, that, and the third. And you're like, but, like, seriously, why do you get to speak on Boston? Like, you're born and bred, and you can go back to, you know, your great-great-grandparents. I mean, this is outrageous. And don't get me wrong, just like I— I'm very interested in Winthrop. I understand if people might be very interested in Boston, but I approach it with some kind of humility and 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 grace and just, you know, don't expect your opinion to outweigh people who are actually from the city just because it's you. Uh, but on that note. <laughs> Uh, Let me go to a quick break, and when I come back, uh, we'll finish tonight's show. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Is this tree good for climbing? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Safe gun storage saves lives. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. That's nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady and the Ad Council. Hello. So welcome back as we finish out uh, this tonight's show. The last few minutes, uh, the theme has been hypocrisy and, and I guess you could say cowardice and just really people just acting <laughs> in bad faith, my goodness gracious. Um, but, you know, before I went to break, I started talking about just, you know, outside of anything, outside of the context that I've been kind of focusing on, just in general, people need to be humble and, and respectful and civil. And we just, we don't have that anymore. And so I started to talk about at the top of the show, very top, about how, so I, I guess I want to kind of close on that, how you go to other places and people are, you know, they're elected officials and they're knowledgeable, they're approachable, they're affable. You know, we have people in Boston, they think they're like the second coming some of these elected officials, especially. You got some people on the city council. It's, it's just too much. It's too much. You have people on the city council. They are now making, I kid you not, they are making $115,000 a year. And some of these people are convinced. You got a couple of people that are convinced that all they got to do is work social media and poll looks. Okay, I'm sorry, Paul looks. <laughs> and I'm just like, are you serious? Like, you you have a very important job. You are the first port of call. You are the liaison between City Hall, you know, and, and, and the people. 
like, what are you doing? It, it's you have people who don't know what they're like. I said they don't know what they're doing. They're not knowledgeable. And you know, there was even a, a city councilor who said, "Well, you know, it took me a while to learn this role." And it's like, well, but if it took, I mean, <laughs> why did you stand up then and run for this? It's one thing, like if you're if you're given a job and an opportunity to learn and grow and, and discover something new. But it's, it's understood that this is something that's brand new for you. But something like running for office, you would hope you would think that just the very, at the, at the very least, at the base, you need to know the purview of the office that you're running for. Like, you need to know what your capabilities are, uh, what you're able to do in the capacity of an elected official that holds that office. You you have to know that. That isn't something that you can learn on the job. Are you kidding? Are you serious? And and then you 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 also, even before you... Become a, you know, should you prevail, even, you know, before you pop the champagne, if you win your race, I mean, you should already have an idea of, of how, how things work. I mean, that, of course, you get more comfortable and you learn on the job, like how to present something, how to, how to introduce something, you know, if we're talking about Boston City Council, how to introduce something into chamber, how to object to a resolution, you know, you learn about, uh, you learn more about, um, you know, different ordinances and, and different rules. But you should still have somewhat of an idea. You shouldn't go in cold. And my goodness gracious, you should, I've been saying that a lot this on this show, you should certainly have an idea about the people, and the places that you represent. And if you go to different municipal meetings, you're going to find a huge gap in knowledge um, with Boston. Some, some, not all, not all, but some of the Boston City Councilors in comparison with councilors in other parts of, of the state. And on that note, I'm going to say good night. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to hanging out with you next week. The preceding commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org.